Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just so grateful and thankful that you woke us up early this morning, Lord Jesus, and that you started us on our way, Heavenly Father. We, we know that you love us, Heavenly Father, because you, we are here. And Heavenly Father, it's because of your goodness, your grace, and your mercy that is keeping us, Heavenly Father. And we just thank you for touching us with your finger of love just one more time, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, right now, I just ask that you just come in and move with your Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, touching some woman, man, boy, or girl, Heavenly Father, and just allow your word to just open up their hearts and their minds, but most of all, their spirit to receive you just one more time, Lord Jesus, and let them know, Heavenly Father, that every day that you wake them up is an opportunity to draw closer and nearer to you just one more time, Lord Jesus. So, Lord God, we just thank you for everything that you have done, everything that you are going to do. And, Lord God, I just ask that you just move self out of the way and just use me as your instrument, Heavenly Father, and bring forth your word right now, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I just thank you for all these many and wonderful blessings. In your Son, Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, New Mission. Good morning. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has truly made, and we are just so grateful and thankful for that. Because he has allowed us to see another Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday, and that is truly a blessing. I thank my pastor, Venice, for giving me the opportunity to preach one more time. I, I thank my brethren who are here this morning for their support, and I, just, I thank all of you just for being here. And so I won't preach long this morning, but I do want to tell the story about Jesus Christ. Because if he would not have gotten up on this day, we wouldn't be here. Simply put it, we would not be here. So let's go to the word this morning. I'll be coming out of Matthew chapter 28. And I'll begin reading at the first verse, going over to the 10th, and then dropping down to the 18th. That's Matthew 28, beginning at the first verse. I'll read over to the 10th, and then I'll drop down to the 18th. I still hear pages turning, so I'll just wait for a minute. And it reads, coming out of the New King James Version of the Bible, yours may read, read a little differently, but you ought to be able to follow along with me. Okay. It reads, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. 
For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where they laid the Lord. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' words. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them in verse 10, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all power, and some of your readings may say all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing Amen. to the reading, hearing, doing of his holy and precious word. Yes, now when? See, you cannot have the resurrection without the crucifixion. We must first go to the cross before we get to the resurrection. Because see, Jesus did die on Friday night. Oh yes, he died. Jesus was a dead man. But don't you know early on Sunday morning, he got up. And the scripture tells us that, that on that Friday night, starting in, in, chap, in Matthew chapter 27, around the 51st verse. It says that the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom. You know that had to be a miraculous work right there because as us, we would have tried to start from the bottom up. But that showed the power of God right there. The veil, that 60-foot veil curtain was ripped from the temple from top to bottom. And as that, as that curtain was ripped, the earth quaked. The earth quaked. The, the, the ground shook. Rocks were split open. Tombs were opened up. And those that had fallen asleep had gotten up from the grave and had waited for Jesus Christ to walk through the holy temple, to walk through the holy city after Jesus was resurrected. See, they couldn't go before Jesus because Jesus was the first one from the dead. What were the spirits doing from Friday night to Easter? Perhaps they were just chilling. Just chilling, waiting for Jesus to say, come on home, it's time to go to glory. Just chilling. The guards, as they took sight of this, they were frightened. They, they, they shook with fear. And I heard them saying that surely and truly this must have been the Son of God, because they looked on the events and only, and they knew that only God could do exactly what took place on that Friday night. Then comes Joseph. 
Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate, asked Pilate for Jesus' body. Pilate granted him that permission. Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body, laid him in a new garden tomb, that tomb, a tomb that no other man had ever been laid in before. See, that, that was a brand new garden tomb, a new dead body going in and one new body coming out alive. I wonder, is there such thing as a, as a new dead body? Had to be a new dead body because nobody else had ever used that grave before. Had to be a new dead, new dead body going into that grave because that made proof that Jesus was the one and only one coming out of that grave alive. Went in dead but came out alive. As they laid him in that tomb, there was a large rock that was rolled in front of that tomb. They say those rocks weighed about from, went from about one ton to three tons. Rocks that, know, that, 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 that it took a whole army to, to, to roll in front of that tomb. And those, and those rocks were, were, were rolled along in a, in, in a groove. And as they pushed that, that rock in front of that tomb, it, it made a groove in the floor of the, uh, 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 in front of the tomb. Yes, and don't you know that groove represented something? Because you see, that groove is a groove oftentimes that we may fall into. Sure. See, that, that, that rut is a rut that oftentimes we fall into. See, 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 that groove gets kind of muddy as the rock is rolled along and it begins to rain. You know how rain comes down in our life sometimes. It's raining in somebody's life right now, and that groove is getting awfully muddy. And, and some of us fall right into that groove trying to get to the tomb. What's the emphasis on going to the tomb? To see Jesus. It's got to be the emphasis. I'm, I'm, I'm making my way to see Jesus. But something has suddenly happened. I have fell into the groove. Yes. The writer, the writer says that Pilate sealed up the tomb. Yes. The scribes and the Pharisees, see, see they, they made it a point to seal that tomb up. Why? Because there was, so there could be no mistake that the, that the disciples came and stole Jesus' body that night because Pilate knew that if that lie had gotten out, it would be worse than the, than the, than, than the stories of Jesus before he was crucified. So therefore, Pilate sealed up the tomb. Pilate put his, his, his royal signature on that rock. Pilate had cords stretched across the tomb of that rock from one side to the other so no one without authority could go into that tomb and mess with Jesus' body. Amen. And they remembered what Jesus said three days. He said, in three days, I'm going to get up and rise. Yes, sir. Yes, Jesus told them that. Pilate and Satan, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were trying to make sure that this wouldn't happen. Because, yes, see, 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 Satan thought he had Jesus right there. Mm -hmm. See, the, the scribes and the Pharisees knew that they had Jesus all bound up. And they were just waiting to come around there on that third day to see another dead body laying in the tomb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But surprise, surprise, surprise. Because see, Scripture says early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James. And if you go to Mark 16, verse 1, you'll see that Salome was with them. Now, she was the wife of, of Zebedee, who was a Galilean fisherman. And so, 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 so it, it's, it's kind of wonderful and it's beautiful how God kind of orchestrates this story and then he allows us to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Because, see, we're going to do a little bit of Bible study this morning. We're going to go from Matthew 28 to Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. And you'll see how beautifully God has orchestrated this thing and put this thing together. Because only Jesus can put his word together and tell the truth. Even though it may come from different gospel writers, they all have three chords that are common in this story. Chord number one, the empty tomb. Chord number two, the parents of the angels. And chord number three, Jesus Christ making him parents all by himself. Three common chords, different gospel writers. Mark 16.1 says this. Matthew 28.1 says this. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Mark 16, verse 1, says that Salome was along with them. Mm -hmm. She was with them. All three of them came to the tomb. Yes, sir. The original Mary Mary and Salome. You know that group Mary Mary. The original Mary Mary, that's when it started. They came there. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 2. As they were walking along the way, they, 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 they were coming to anoint Jesus' body with oil. They had brought some spices. Yes, Jesus' body was wrapped in, 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 in Joseph's tomb in pajamas. I'll say pajamas. Night clothes. And these night clothes were loose. These night clothes were wrapped all around Jesus. He even had on his night hat. You know, you see that oftentimes, you see that little bit hat that, you know, I, some of us call them do-rags, some of them call them bandanas, whatever. But Jesus had a napkin or, or, or a head wrapping around his head separate from the wrappings that he had on his body. And, and it was in Jewish custom that they would take the, the oils and the spices and they would put them in the folds of the linen clothes. Of the, of, 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 the, of the pajamas, of the night clothes. Not embalming, but it was the typical Jewish, Jewish burial ceremony. But the question is this. Remember, Pilate had the tomb sealed, had his royal signature on the tomb. There were cords stretched across the, the three, about the one to three ton rock on each end of the grave. The question is, as they were on their way to the grave, who is going to roll away the stone for us? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Now here Mary, Mary, and Salome are going to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. And how in the world were they going to get in the tomb? Use woman, womanly persuasion. You know how y'all have a way of getting anything y'all want out of us. Uh, you know, because you know, the guards were standing there. You know, they, they didn't care nothing about the Galilean women. You know, they were, they were Roman soldiers. But see, but perhaps they were going to use that womanly persuasion. Give a little bit, take a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Flash a little skin. Boobies hanging out, in, over, around. I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how they figured they were going to get into the tomb. But one way or the other, they were going anyway. Look how God orchestrates this story. You go from three and Mark, go back to Matthew 2, and it says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Now, ain't that something? How Jesus goes before us, he goes with us, he goes in between us. Jesus makes a way out of no way. When our back's against the wall and we don't know what we're going to do when we get there, how we're going to do it, how we're going to get there, what we're going to do when we get there, can't you see that Jesus makes a way out of no way? Jesus brought down a, a, a great earthquake. And think about that. It was an earthquake when Jesus was crucified. Now God brought about a great earthquake, a great earthquake to bring a resurrection to his son, Jesus Christ. Two earthquakes in three days. Nothing uncommon. It was just a great aftershock. But Jesus came and, 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 the, and the angel of the Lord rolled the tomb away. Ain't God good? When you don't know which way to go, when you don't know which way you're going to turn, when you don't know what to do, God will step in right on time and make a way for you. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he knows about our situation because, yes, I do. God knows everything. And let me tell you, there is nothing that God does not know about none of us. It says that the angel's countenance was, 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 was like Lightning and his clothing was white as snow, demonstrating the, the great power that God had, that God showed on that day. Because truly, no ordinary person, no, and surely the women could not move that stone. Yes, Nothing but God's power. Yes, and then it says this. But the angel spoke up then. As the guards shook, and they, and, and they became as dead men. You ever been so scared that you can't move? You ever been in a situation that fear is just overtaking you and you cannot move? Have you ever been in a situation where something has happened so drastic in your life that you cannot move? The angel answered and said to the women, 
do not be afraid, for you seek Jesus who was crucified. And he is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Six says, come and see the place. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Mary and Martha. Mary and Mary, excuse me, and Salome came to the tomb, was peeking in to see where the Lord lay. But see, it's, it's some discrepancy right here. The discrepancy is, is, is brought up in John chapter 20, verses 6 and 7. Because see, it says that when Mary and Mary and Salome, when they peeked in, it said they didn't see nothing but the angels. But wait a minute. The Bible says that Jesus was wrapped in grave clothes, in night clothes, in pajamas. So why is it that Mary, Mary, and Salome did not see the grave clothes that were lying there? Strange. Strange, isn't it? See, sometimes we get so caught up when we see, seem to see something that is so amazing, we oftentimes overlook the small and simple things. See, many times we get so caught up in situations that we forget just how far God has brought us, what he's done for us, and where we are now in our lives. We forget. We forget just how good God has been to us because we are overlooking and we're looking at the situation that we are in and forgetting about just how good God is to us. It just, it could, it could have been that they just got so caught up in the situation of going to the tomb wanting to see Jesus that they overlooked the grave clothes. Wow. If I'm going to see Jesus, I want to notice everything that was on him, in him, around him, that had to do with him. I want to notice it all because I'm going to see Jesus. If you're coming to see me, you're going to look and you're going to notice everything that I got on. So if they went to the tomb and didn't notice the grave clothes lying there, huh? fear overtook them, the Bible says. Fear stepped in because the Bible said that in verse 7 that they quickly looked in. They got up and, they, and, they, and, they, and, they, and the angel told them to go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going to be with them in Galilee. For behold, I have told you. God pass through the grave clothes. See, the thing is about this, Lazarus had to be loosened from the grave clothes, but Jesus passed through the grave clothes. And the grave clothes were lying there folded up. The grave clothes were lying there undisturbed, and that, and that, and, and that bandana, that head napkin was laying in a separate place from the grave clothes. Let you know that when Jesus passed through those grave clothes, he got to the point where he was about to ascend from the tomb and realized that, hey, 
I won't be needing this head thing no more and laid it down on the side separately from the grave clothes. Let you know that Jesus, nothing could hold him down. Let you know that Jesus was going to get up on that Sunday morning and let you know that Jesus As they went out quickly with fear and trembling. The angels told them to go tell my disciples. And in verse 7, another strange event takes place. Very important. Mark 16, verse 7 says this. We got to catch this one because this is important. Mark 16, verse 7. As the angel told Mary and Mary and Salome to go tell his disciples. In verse 7, it says, in Mark, it says, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Why is it that Peter was singled out? The angel had already told them what God had said. Go tell my disciples. Mark says, his disciples and Peter. Yes, sir. Think about that. Peter was the one who told Jesus that he was the Christ. And now here is Peter being singled out from the disciples. What's going on here? What, what, what's the problem? Luke 21, 22 and 31 tells us this. Luke 22, 31 tells us this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. But Peter said to the Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then Jesus said this, I tell you, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. And surely, 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 
Peter denied the Lord three times. In 22 verse 60, it says, but Peter told them that I don't know the man. They were in the courtyard. They had arrested Jesus. They come to question Peter, and Peter said, I don't know the man. I don't know who Jesus is. Not once, but twice, but three times. And it's that third time, as, as Peter said, I do not know Jesus. I don't know the man. The rooster crowed just as Peter was speaking. And in 61, and then it says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had told him. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. When Jesus looked at Peter, that was the look that Peter never forget. When Jesus looked at Peter, that look went straight through him. You know how it is. You know, sometimes we can just give our kids that look. And when they see that look, they know either they're in trouble, they done messed up. You know, they, they, they break out crying before you even, you don't even have to touch them. They start crying just because of that look. Jesus gave Peter that look, and it pierced his heart. It, Peter remembered immediately what Jesus has told him. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter cried uncontrollably. Peter was hurt. Peter knew that he had denied the Lord. See, even Judas had not denied the Lord like that. Because see, remember, Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. But even Judas, Judas went up and hugged the Lord and said, he is the man. That hug, that kiss, let them know that Jesus was the man. But Peter denied the Lord three times. The one who said, you are the Christ. Now he is saying, I do not know the man. I don't know who you are. That's why Peter was singled out in that verse. Because when Jesus said, and hit Peter, and tell Peter with my disciples, that showed the love and the compassion that Jesus has for each and every one of us. Because see, no matter what you have done, no matter what you do, no matter all the mess you are going through, no matter all the mess you are doing, no matter what it is, Jesus can restore you back to himself. See, 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 the, see, the, see the, the resurrection was a vindication of Jesus Christ. Not only was it a vindication of him being the son of God, not only was it the vindication of him being truly the Messiah, but it was the vindication of his work, his ministry, and his miracles that he always did for, to give glory to the Father. And not only that, it was a demonstration saying that Jesus is truly the son of God because Jesus took him Jesus took Peter and restored him back to his discipleship. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus comes to speak life into somebody's... Hmm. Peter. 
Jesus told, Jesus told Peter, I, I need you, Peter. You know, no, no, Jesus told him to, 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 to come on back into the fold because I need you to strengthen the brethren. See, Peter was, was, was one of the ones who established many of the early Christian churches in Acts. And don't you remember Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. <clears throat> what you going to do when life has thrown a curveball your way? See, 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 pitchers have many pitches. They have a curveball. Yes, they have what you call a slider. They got a fastball. They got a knuckleball. And sometimes they just got a straight ball. It just, just, it just comes down the pipe with heat. What you going to do when you're standing up at the plate and the pitcher throws you a curveball? See, I, 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 can, I, I can recall... In Little League. <laughs> when the pitcher rears back, we used to have this thing called the two-finger two curve ball. Yes, sir. And that pitch would come right down the middle, and it would come there, and as soon as you think you're getting ready to hit it, that ball would kind of curve. And it, 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 it would either curve, and they used to have a curve drop, and it would curve, and it would go to the, right into the, the catcher's mitt, or it would curve, and it would just drop out of sight. And you standing there, your bat in your hand, thinking that you're going to hit this ball. You swing, and you miss. Yes, Strike one. Yes, sir. Pitcher comes up, gives, a, gives the one sign. That's fastball most of the time. Pitcher rares back, throws this fastball. You standing there at the plate, ready to hit the ball. You done swung, and the ball done went right by you. Yes, Strike two. Next time you stand up to the plate, all right, you ready now. You got your bat rear back, the pitcher rears back. He got three fingers. That's a change-up. You know what a change-up does? You stand there waiting for the fastball. You, you, the ball's coming, but suddenly you swing faster than the ball reaches the plate. You're standing there looking like a fool most of the times because you done fast, you done swung so fast and the, the ball ain't even got there yet. Strike, strike three. Three strikes. And you're out. That's the way life can be for some of us. We standing up to the plate. We're in the batter's box. Yes, sir. <laughs> we got strike one on us. Yes, sir. We got strike two on us. Yes, sir. We got strike three. And we out. Yes. We out. Yes. See, it's a bad thing to be thrown under the bus, as we say. Uh-huh. But to have the bus roll over us, that's another situation. It's a bad thing to fall in the groove trying to get to Jesus. It's a bad thing that we wallowing around in the mud, in the groove. The rock done swung to one side. Jesus done moved it out the way. 
But it's another thing when we land there in the mud and the rock comes back over us and rolls back over us. That's a problem. The problem is this. Jesus, early Sunday morning, got up. And when he got up, he got up with all power in his hands. So why in the world are we waddling around in the mud, in the groove, and Jesus has made a way for us? Strike one, strike two, strike three, we done struck out, but we're still standing up there at the plate with the bat in our hand, not knowing what to do. Sit down. Sit down. Get to the dugout and give your life to Jesus. Sit down. Stop messing around. Stop struggling. Stop whatever you're doing. Root for your teammate. Encourage them to go on in the name of Jesus. But sit down. Shut up and give everything you have to God because God can work it out for you. Stop trying to be whatever, something that you ain't. Stop listening to all that mess what everybody else is doing because that ain't got nothing to do with you and Jesus. You better go on in the name of Jesus. You better get up out of that rut. See, my son says backtrack. I'm saying, no, don't backtrack. Start a new life because every day that Jesus wakes us up is an opportunity to get closer to him. So Jesus comes with grace upon grace upon grace. Jesus has a new anointing fresh each and every day. This is Resurrection Sunday. Get up. Get up because Jesus got up. And he got up with all power in his hand. So therefore, while you're walking around in the mud, get up. Because Jesus has come by to restore you. Oh, what, what, what have you lost that Jesus cannot restore? What, 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 what has came your way that Jesus cannot fix? Well, what situation that you're in that Jesus cannot pass through? What, what situation is it? Because my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So when Jesus got up, that power was distributed into us. Verse 9, it says, as they went to tell his disciples, Jesus met Mary and Mary and Salome along the way. That lets you know that Jesus will go before you. He will go with you. He will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you when you're going through. Jesus will always be there. Just look around. When you look at your neighbor, you can know that Jesus is there. When you got up this morning, you would know that Jesus was there. When you went to the cabinet and seen some Cheerios were there, Jesus... Did you go to the refrigerator and have orange juice, 2% milk, 3% milk, low-fat skim milk, whatever kind of milk you drink? That lets you know that Jesus is there because he will provide everything you need. Rejoice. Rejoice always in the Lord. Rejoice. 
because he got up this morning. And because he got up, he started us on our way this morning. Rejoice, because Jesus is good. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what you're going through, by the grace of God, with Jesus Christ, you can make it. There's no doubt in my mind you can make it. Because, see, if you look back over your life and see what God has done for you, how he stepped in right on time, how he went before you in your situation when your back was against the wall and you did not know what you were going to do, Jesus stepped in right on time and made a way out of no way. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. Oh, he's Jehovah Nisi. He will... Mm, destroy your enemy. Oh, he's, uh, woo. he's the prince of peace. Your mind in trouble? Is your mind all messed up? Are you confused? Jesus is a mind regulator. Oh, shoot, he will, mm, he will put the pieces of your broken life back together. Uh, Every broken place, every wounded space, every open heart, every cut you have ever had, everything. Jesus will restore you. He wants to make you whole again. All power was given into him on heaven and earth. Because, see, that lets us know that Jesus got up earlier than we got up this morning. <laughs> yes, he did. We call this sunrise service, but Jesus got up before the sun rose. Jesus got up before we got up this morning. Jesus got up from the grave. It could have been 12 o'clock midnight, one minute past 12. It was the next day, Sunday morning, but he got up before... See, the emphasis is this. It's not on the empty tomb. The emphasis is on that Jesus got up. So therefore, why don't we look to the hills which cometh our help because our help cometh from the Lord. Look up. Stop walking around with your head down, but look up. Look up to the hills because Jesus is there standing there with his arms wide open ready to receive you. Look up. A lot of us walking around with our head burdened down because life is pounded on us. Life is, mmm, 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 like, you know, you know that, that rut, life is, mmm, life is, mmm, life is, mmm, in that rut, life is, mmm, life is, you know how we used to, do that little twist thing when we step on something. We mm, do that twist thing. We we make sure we pressing it in. Mm, mm, mm. We make we making sure that it ain't getting back up. But with Jesus, <laughs> but with Jesus, when he was resurrected early on Sunday morning. But with Jesus, Jesus can pick you up out of the miry clay. Jesus can caress you and make you feel good inside. Jesus will make you clean. It don't matter. 
Life, life will mess you up if you let it. If you let it. Satan will count you out if you let him. Satan will put his seal, a uh, stamp of approval on your life, knowing that you won't be able to do nothing about it because he got you right where he wants you. And it's a bad place. It's a bad thing. It's a it's terrible thing to be when Satan got you in a place where, where you're feeling so low, so dirty, so down out that you can't even look up to Jesus. But thanks be to God. When Sunday comes, when Sunday comes, you may struggle with it all night Saturday, deal with it on Friday, but early in the morning when Sunday comes, <laughs> don't let life destroy you. Don't let it. We have too much to live for. Yes, sir. And Jesus has made a way for us to live. He nailed death to the cross. Yes, sir. He died for our sins so that we may have a right to the tree of life. Jesus did that. He died for you. He shed his blood. Jesus paid the price. We say there's nothing free in life. Jesus gave us the free gift of eternal life. That's free. All you got to do is accept him, believe in him, give your life to him, and Jesus will step into your situation. And I'm here to tell you, he will make everything all right. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may think God has abandoned you, but I'm here to tell you, hold on. My brothers and sisters, hold on, because Jesus is with you every step of the way. When he got up, just go to the hospital. Just go to the hospital. I see you there. See you there. God's good, ain't he? Just go to the hospital. You know, God put me in a situation recently. Went and visited a couple of people. I got to Drake Hospital. And I was in this situation in some kind of way. I ended up in the room. And the majority of these people in the room had no legs. I was going there to say to have prayer with one of our members, but just so happened they were in therapy at Drake. And as I walked in, I seen all of these people there with no legs. And they were just throwing the ball around at therapy, having upper body therapy, having, you know, build their upper body up. And they were just throwing the ball around. 
And there was this young man who was there, had, had no legs. And he was just throwing the ball around. He was taking dumbbell, and, and, and he was curling it. He was raising it up. And I looked at him, and I said, you know what? You are encouraging me. I said, because of the condition of my shoulder now, I cannot do that anymore. He had them dumbbells and he was curling, he was taking them up over his head. I told him, I can't do that. I can't, I can't lift my arm up no more like that. He had the strength, I couldn't do it. I said, you know what? You are giving me the encouragement to go on. You are encouraged, even though the condition that you are in, you are, God is still using you to be an encouragement to others. Just go to the hospital one day. And when you step into a situation like that, you, that will let you know, that let me know that even though I may be going through, God has never left me. God is still with me. Because, see, I was able to step into that hospital situation, pray for everybody in a group prayer, and then walk out. But there they were, there with no legs, couldn't, couldn't do nothing, only upper body strength, and, and, and I was able to go in, pray, and walk out, and I'm complaining about what I am in, what I'm going through? How dare me? God has been too good to me for me to complain about my little mess when they have no legs. Just take a look around sometime. Go to the hospital and visit people. God lets you know Boy, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. I am with you. We take so much for granted. We take so, see, see, when you see situations, that, that, that all you can say is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because I, by the grace of God, with Jesus Christ, you can make it. Amen. May God bless you. May God keep you.